Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I right, welcome on to the long-awaited Western Conference grades here on Dunked On. And let's get right to it, Denny. Starting with a, a team that I actually struggled with here, the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the Mavericks were tough, partially because of the timing and expectations and everything like that. So the prominent moves for them, they added Seth Curry, DeLon Wright, Boban Marjanovic, a couple of second round picks because they moved down in the second, eventually drafting Isaiah Roby. Importantly, they also retained Kristaps Porzingis, Moxie Kleba, Dwight Powell through an opt-in extension, which counts, Dorian Finney-Smith and JJ Barea. Their only losses to this point were Trey Burke and Kostas Antetokounmpo. And yeah, so just, just to so you have it, the trade that they did was they moved down from 37 to 45, picking up second round picks from the Jazz and the Blazers in future years. We'll see how those turn out. Then in the DeLon Wright, that was structured as a sign-in trade. So they gave up two seconds there, including one of the ones they acquired in the move down in the draft to uh, to get right. And by doing it that way and using the trade exception, they, stayed, they actually functioned as an over-the-cap team as opposed to clearing space, which gives them more flexibility into the season. Yeah, they retain, I think, about 11 million dollars or so of that nba record trade exception that they got in the harrison barnes deal and they should be able to use almost all of that and still stay under the tax if they want to take on some salary going forward here or they could also roll that over at the trade deadline by just basically doing an equal value trade but taking one guy into the trade exception and then sending out the other guy and just creating a new trade exception for that size so you we were very high on Dallas his potential coming the season with Porzingis a restricted free agent he was going to be back Luka Doncic of course rookie of the year and they had you know, pretty much max cap space but they had the problem that they had these three restricted free agents Porzingis Dorian Finney-Smith uh, who they re-signed on a three-year 12 million dollar deal pretty decent value there and Maxi Kleba all those guys had much smaller cap holds than what their eventual salaries projected to be so once those guys signed that cap space was likely going to be very vaporized and there wasn't really a credible path if they're going to resign all those guys to cap space in 2020 perhaps there would be in 2021 when tim hardaway jr would finally come off the books for them they tried to get in on the kemba walker sweepstakes he was not interested i'm not going to downgrade them for him not being interested he he made the choice that he made to go to boston and after that you remember they were involved in that the trade with miami where they got their wires crossed they were going to take goran dragic eventually though they didn't want Dragic and because Dragic only had one more year left you know I think there was a thought that having him expiring in the summer of 2020 wouldn't really work to me I think it's quite possible to me that had they done that move they might have been a better team this year I mean what did you think of that counterfactual of not going that direction the one that Miami the trade that Miami thought they had agreed to as opposed to getting Olenek and uh Derek Jones Jr do you think Dallas should have done the trade that Miami wanted them to do well considering what Dallas 
Dallas ended up doing with the space, you know, DeLon Wright and and Curry, remember both of whom signed much longer contracts, Wright signed a three-year deal, Curry signed a four-year deal. I, I kind of understand both sides of it. I think Dragic, as, if he stays healthy and how they feel about, you know, he was wearing that big knee brace at the end of last year, if they felt about Dragic, my, my instinct is that they're probably slightly better for the long term just because they have more depth at the position and the collective cost, like, let's say they re-sign Dragic to a fair value contract, whatever that ends up being. I think that having Wright and Curry for what might end up being a similar sum of money, I think that makes a little bit more more sense just to kind of diversify your portfolio next to Luca, who's going to ha- have a lot of the ball handling duties. And Curry in particular, I think could be a good fit there. And then DeLon can check a couple of different boxes depending on how Rick Carlisle wants to use him. Yeah, I, I just thought that's interesting to think about. And Dragic is certainly a more dynamic pick and roll player, although an injury risk of performance decline risk i think he's uh, gonna turn 34 this season but that was just kind of interesting to think about i i thought it would be okay for them like it made sense when that trade was initially reported because it didn't seem like they had any big fish that they were going to sign i think some of these moves i i liked okay none of them absolutely wowed me and some i thought were, were pretty bad the one that's pretty bad i think we can agree on is that dwight powell extension he, he opted in at their behest and now three years 33 million on top of that for dwight powell seemed insane well and beyond that if you have the structure that dallas did i mean i guess at that point they thought they were going to try to use the cap space so he opted into 12 point or sorry 10.3 million and then he's getting a raise off of that with how it turned out in hindsight but again he had to make the option decision before the offseason started maybe it could have been structured a little bit differently or something like that or they could have had an understanding that hey well this is the amount of money and and we'll see where things go like that it maybe that could have in in that it ended up being that they stayed over the cap that actually would have been very useful for them but anyway it's too much damn money for Dwight Powell I think that's the most important part of this and Powell while he is a a talented role man for Carlisle's system like he he does something that they need well I think it's just too low of an upside play and paying a center yeah. who's clearly not a starter for four years is just just nonsensical yeah he's clearly not a starter defensively and on what planet was he getting three years 33 million when you look at what the backup center market was this year when he became a free agent next year i think they if that was really the price you'd say hey opt in and uh, and you know this breaks into their 2021 space which uh, in their long-term plan was something that we felt like they should focus on curry is the other one well, can although- i can I, wait can i say something quick yeah. there yeah. So I, something I thought about at a couple different places in Dallas's offseason is, is actually an old Spurs idea. I associate it with them. There are other teams, which is it's better to find the next Jonathan Simmons than to pay the current Jonathan Simmons. So that goes back to San Antonio, basically letting him go to Orlando. And Dallas has, Rick Carlisle has done a wonderful job of being able to cultivate these smaller guards and role centers. And instead of trying to find the next Dwight Powell, they gave this Dwight Powell a bunch of money. And you can make a similar argument that they gave a lot of money to point guards who, while they are good and probably very good fits depending on how they get how they get used they gave those guys money instead of giving that money to wings which their system has not exactly cultivated yeah and you know who would those wings have been you know should they have say beaten the spurs offer for damari carroll in an effort to just be better over these next couple of years you know maybe you would say that they should uh, and that maybe they uh, or offered a third year for him or a a, a bigger guarantee they could also offer carroll a larger role than the spurs 
Spurs could have uh, as well. Well, you know, I have another one for you. I think went what? So if what if they had given? So there were, it was widely rumored that they were interested in Danny Green, and it seems like part of the reason why Danny Green was holding out, he wanted to go work. Why I was going, considering he ended up getting a total com- a combined amount of thirty million dollars, I think they could have offered him significantly more, and it still would have been team friendly, especially compared to what they ended up with. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, Seth Curry to me, I'm more scared of a four year contract for him at basically the mid-level exception than I would be offering Danny Green more money but maybe Danny Green just wanted to go play in LA at this point you know you don't, you don't know maybe their offer was significantly bigger than the Lakers and that just wasn't going to get it done necessarily uh but Curry is the other one where I I really kind of worry a little bit there is this theme with this Mavericks offseason which is reflected somewhat in the projections that Kevin Pelton just came out with based on RPM that have the Mavericks being right in the playoff mix of these are a bunch of guys that we had kind of liked as undervalued guys at various points Kleba Curry Wright and now these guys are all getting paid maybe some of them are getting paid a little bit a little bit less than market value I think Kleba in particular was a pretty solid value although we haven't seen it from him you know if he can just maintain his level of performance that he had last year over the life of this contract that'll be a value deal though we haven't seen it from him in more minutes so they did you know guys like Wright Kleba I, I think those I understand the theory of Curry to me especially again for a contract going out so much further and into 2021 that's the one that that and Powell are the ones I blanch on I think the other ones made pretty good sense they did need something at point guard right is a two-way player he can't shoot that well he's getting to be kind of passable but he's not going to shoot off the dribble so he's not the greatest fit next to Doncic but maybe Porzingis's shooting can help unlock all those guys uh, if Porzingis is going to be the center or if Kleba is going to play some center Wright's not as good of a fit to me with Dwight Powell rolling to the rim so they have a lot of these pieces and we mentioned Dorian Finney-Smith is you know I think a decent value for a wing there but they really as you mentioned they just didn't get the wings that they needed to start getting serious about competing you know and it's supposedly an organizational goal to get into the playoffs get Porzingis and Doncic some reps here and hopefully start to build up enough of a reputation that maybe they can bring in you know because they really need one more guy here to start being serious about you know this core being a championship contender when it's fully formed and it's a disappointment that they didn't get a guy that we think could be that and they didn't get that much better in the short term either they didn't fill their primary need with all the money that they had ultimately another disappointment for me it's not a huge one but worth mentioning is that it doesn't appear that they gave Kristaps Porzingis any real they didn't squeeze him at all they just you know get any injury protection yeah. or anything like that he no, has a no, a, a no player option but it, yeah but that's uh it, you know that that's a specious reason i think you know that's they were they, they gave him a pretty good contract and now the Embiid thing we've talked about how that's probably not as realistic yeah, I mean, the guy is missed for the, like yeah they're gonna yeah. actually waive the guy so that injury protection was kind of useless so like why alienate the guy anyway but you know maybe some kind of a non-guarantee on the end or something like that i mean maybe they felt like hey you know this guy's been pretty prickly with the Knicks and we want to just show him our commitment here um so maybe that's the thinking there but I agree with you that wasn't just like no-brainer five-year max let's move on given his injury history so what did you end up with grade-wise for them so I I gave them a d-plus 
And what the other overall thing that I want to mention with them is it kind of feels a little bit like Miami's 2017 offseason. I don't think it's going to be as negative for Dallas as that Miami one was, where the primary stuff didn't happen, and so they just ended up with a bunch of long-term contracts that were a little bit unnecessary. And that's my concern for Dallas is looking at, let's say, 21-22, which is Doncic's last year before he gets paid. They still could have a serious amount of money to spend, you know, maybe in the like 30 to $35 million range depending on what happens with their other players. But when you look at Dwight Powell making $11.1 million that year, Seth Curry committed to $8.2, DeLon $8.5, it gets harder to pivot. And I understand sacrificing flexibility. Absolutely, 100%. If, if you, the reasoning is you got a lot better or you got some lottery tickets and maybe it works out, maybe it doesn't. So, But to not invest at the positions of greatest need and scarcity other than Dorian Finney-Smith on a contract that I generally like it it feels like they left they left a lot on the table and while they didn't have amazing draft resources or anything else considering the the ceiling core pieces they have i think they should have at least used some resources there and not doing that could end up being a big problem because now they're not flexible for the next yeah so i ended up going c minus if anything i was tempted to go lower than that there just wasn't the one thing that you looked at and you're like yes this is awesome i mean maybe klepa uh, on that four year 35 million dollar deal the last Last year of which is non-guaranteed maybe that could be the big win if he can play some more minutes but you i didn't see that I, you know they're they kind of just like did some things that i might have liked but like kind of slightly overpaid for everyone and they're going to be better but how much better really and did they change the direction of their franchise probably not so you know i think that's that's worthy of a c minus i feel a little worse about them now than i did at the start of their offseason that's so that gets you a, a c minus let's move on to denver now a little bit less complex offseason for them the big moves uh, i mean they, they probably have the most continuity of any team in the league they retained jamal murray on a maximum extension five years and 170 million dollars no options or, or anything there that is a lot of money for murray despite the fact that we've long been high on him and then they picked up bull bull by trading for the number 44 overall pick they traded a 2022 second for that and then they added jeremy grant at the cost of their 2020 first round pick top 10 protected they also just basically let trey lyles go in restricted free agency didn't make any effort to retain him grant was obtained via the trade exception from their salary dumping trades last year so they were able to add salary they are of course comfortably below the luxury tax but i think it's fine that they didn't bring back lyles they got a lot of guys at that position now i went with a b plus uh mostly on the strength of that grant trade or i'm sorry not a b plus b minus mostly on the strength of that grant trade and remember again for those who don't recall this isn't business school a c means that with the resources available you're about the same as we would have expected you to be going into the offseason in terms of your franchise's outlook in this both in the short and long term so b minus that's good that means they, they improved and that grant trade i mean this is a good drafting team so giving up first rounders in back-to-back years is not great they surely project that they are going to be pretty good then this pick is going to be mid-20s or later we'll see how they do next year uh there's also the issue that grant only has one year left and can 
cannot be extended and he does have a player option but if he opts into that player option that probably means that he didn't play too well for them uh, given the limited free agents available in 2020 but he's exactly what they needed i think that he actually has the size and athleticism to guard a lot of the guys that they're gonna be facing in the western conference playoffs maybe lebron james a little bit Kawhi, paul george now the question becomes can you play he and paul Millsap together i don't know if you can i wouldn't mind seeing he and Millsap together at center and power forward with no mason plumley but that doesn't seem like mike malone style mason plumley's minutes are uh, written in stone on this team but he gives them additional versatility protects them in case of injury and just more athleticism on the wing i also really like the combination of grant and Jokic. in theory Jokic. When he played with Kenneth Freed, who is an above-the-rim finisher, they actually played really well offensively there. It had a nice chemistry, and you know Grant has the ability to step outside to some degree and let Jokic go to work. So you know I don't think that Grant can necessarily play the three, but I think he can really help them and was probably the best they were going to do, especially when you consider that they uh, had just this trade exception available. You know, not a lot of money to spend. I mean, Grant's making about the mid-level exception in terms of money, a little bit more than that. So I, I thought that was a good move. Uh, anything to add on? the grant move well this is more of a big picture thing but i've been beaming since you said your grade because i get to spend a little bit of this on a high horse which is that i agree with you on everything you just said about grant the other thing that i like about it is that they now have two options kind of for a power forward of the present slash future they're both unrestricted free agents in 2020 assuming grant opts out but having two options is better and they'll have bird rights sufficient to resign either or both whatever they want to do so that i i agree with you on we'll talk about the murray extension but here's why I get to be on the high horse. I agree with you that Jeremy Grant, even giving up the first rounder, I think that was the best use of this kind of approximation of money. So if we were to accept the framing that Denver needed to stay under the luxury tax or should or wanted to or whatever. Oh, yeah. So so you're going to say, why didn't they use their mid-level as well? And yes. So I would have been in the, you know, B minus range, but instead I'm in a C minus because I think that's bull and they would be better. The Nuggets are a deep team, you know, as, as a Juancho Hernan Gomez booster, I understand, especially now why he's not going to play a ton for this team. They hopefully will have Michael Porter available, but remember the Nuggets probably still have a big problem at small forward. And now they do not have the, the ownership management, however we want to define it. Remember, this is a management grade, not just a front office grade that they don't have the excuse anymore of, oh, we don't know if we're good. They had the second best record in the Western Conference. They could and arguably should have made the Western Conference Finals. And the team that would have beaten them in the Western Conference Finals is now not the same team anymore. So getting, you know, using the mid-level exception on a forward who can help defend the new look Western Conference would make a huge difference for them. And A, the repeater tax is not going to be a big deal. And B, it wouldn't have been that big of a tax bill for a team that is legitimately good. You know, this is it's the same kind of situation that the Bucks got into of like you this is when you don't mitigate your bill you have a bona fide stud in Nikola Jokic they just spent all this money on Jamal Murray go a little bit over and be significantly better and that was immensely frustrating to me so that was one big negative the other big negative was I personally I I like Jamal Murray I really like Jamal Murray we've talked about it many times on this show and on the NBA cast but the the strategy for when you give a guy a full five-year max ahead of time is when the three plus one which is the standard kind of like worst case scenario the gordon hayward type of thing which the jazz weren't scared of at the time and maybe should have been that the 
that the three plus one is significantly worse for that team than a five. So like Carl Anthony Towns is an example. You'd rather have Carl Anthony Towns for three or for five years than three. So that's not a, that's not a big problem. But with Jamal Murray, especially considering the uncertainty, getting a year's passage of time and the difference between a three plus one and a five, to me, I would have waited unless you were willing to take a sacrifice. So it's it's not terrible, but it's also to me a negative more more than anything else. Yeah, and they do have no chance now uh, at cap space really for the foreseeable future with that deal made remember that they are sacrificing a potential of murray's small cap hold would have been a in the 13 million dollar range they cost themselves about 16 million in cap space they probably could have had 30 million in cap space next summer now some of that might have been needed to to re-sign grant or Millsap, but they would have they are giving up some optionality there now they're basically at the point where it, it makes sense to stay over the cap they're looking at about 13 million in space they probably could not have used the full mid-level exception they probably would have had to use the taxpayer they're about seven million dollars under the apron right now so you wouldn't want to hard cap yourself uh by going over but i, I agree you would think that they could have brought somebody else in now they also have roster space issues but and they probably also might not have been able to who knows you know they might have kicked the tires on some players and they're like well yeah you've got a million guys already you know tamari carroll they would have been able to offer him less money guys of that ilk who got the full mid-level they wouldn't have been offering as much money and they wouldn't have been offering as big of a role so it could well be that there just wasn't really anyone there uh who is too sexy for them you know i'm not sure who that would have been you know maybe like you know garrett temple would much rather you know the room exception of the Mimi level are pretty close maybe they could have offered temple a third year but he's 33 i don't know if he would have wanted to do that so I'm a little bit less harsh on it than you, although that is something that I probably should have considered more strongly. And then the other thing that I probably should have considered more strongly was just losing the optionality of Murray's low cap hold. I agree with you that he is not your no-brainer five-year max. Now, if they had gone for a lower extension, if they had really tried to squeeze him a little bit, you know, that's A, that's not what this organization does, which, you know, I think they've, that's been good in some ways and bad in some ways, uh, that they just kind of reward it. If you've already been on the team and you've played okay you're getting paid probably more than market value when it's time for a contract with this this group also you know the murray Jokic era i mean there's going to be times in the future they're going to need to fill out the team around these guys uh stan Kroenke has made it clear that every penny under the luxury tax counts so squeezing a little more would help now you could say hey they did the the only time you can go five years right now is if you max them out and they might want to get that fifth year but this is not a Giannis and a situation where he, he's like that so i, I probably would have waited and just said hey you know like if you play you take another step forward next year you got a five-year max waiting for you next year and uh you can be happy about that or you're gonna have to give us a pretty significant discount on the four-year so i think i will ultimately lower my grade uh i wish i hadn't said it at the beginning i'm gonna go down to just a straight c instead are you ready to move on to the golden state warriors and what did you have again just to, so we have i know you said it before but c minus c minus okay yeah uh since you uh, write about the Warriors more than every other team, do you want to take us through uh, precisely? I, I, well, uh, should we do? Let's just start with just the D'Angelo Russell sign and trade. Let, let's. Uh, I'll give you the floor here. You want to just talk about your feelings on that? That was the major sure. move, obviously. Yeah. To to walk people through the terms, the Warriors signed and traded Kevin Durant and included a 2020 first that is top 20 protected and then becomes a an eventual second round pick. And they also they received D'Angelo Russell, Shabazz Napier, and Travion Graham both both of whom got rerouted to Minnesota. And then 
we there were cascading effects in terms of the hard cap because acquiring Russell via sign and trade hard cap the Warriors they had no capacity to sign him other than th- to acquire him via via anything other than sign and trade. So the the argument for doing this is that bigger chips are more va- are, are more valuable or more useful than smaller chips and D'Angelo Russell especially if he ends up living up to this contract remember like it's not just you got D'Angelo Russell you got D'Angelo Russell on a four-year max contract that's four years 117 million dollars is what they're paying him and so the idea behind it is you can't get a player as good as Russell you know Kevin Durant was go- was going to be gone be was going to the Nets either way and so getting him was better he's under contract he's young so that and even if this doesn't the ecosystem doesn't work the Warriors and it sounds like they believe that it will and it very well could that even if it doesn't the teams that like D'Angelo Russell are not going to hold that against him and hold that against the Warriors because it's such a different situation you know he's not gonna be playing alongside Steph Curry if he goes to Minnesota or any number of other point guard needy teams the Orlando Magic I could rattle off a few others so that's the idea is basically that whether it's as salary filler you know as like a key piece or as a true asset in and of itself that you can do that I think there is merit to that argument. However, I think that the the argument on the other side is stronger, which is that everything they sacrificed makes it not worth it. Not only did they give up a, for, a protected first round pick in the Russell trade, I'm thinking that pick does not convey as a first, but also that forced them to get under the hard cap, which meant trading Andre Guadala and because they rushed it, giving up a first round pick along with Andre Guadala yeah. to do that. Extremely lightly protected to a 2024 top four protected first rounder. Right. And so they were able to do that. And then also remember the other moves that that meant. So they were able to retain Kevon Looney, which is which is impressive. And that basically meant that they were minimums for everything else other than the uh, clay and other than the clay retention. And that also meant so they did things like trading future seconds to get 39 for Smile Geach because those minimum players count at, at such a low value that it made it easier to live under the hard cap and Eric Pascal and some of those other moves. So they gave up a lot. They're also losing bird rights on their own free agents theoretically granted he ended up tearing his acl but the warriors could have pretty easily retained demarcus cousins if he had been interested in coming back at a higher value actually than the lakers ended up paying him that sort of a thing would have been possible jordan bell took the minimum so they could have retained him either way but what they sacrificed there is pretty significant well actually i mean they 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 had to lose him as a restricted free agent because of this because it would have been a disaster if he'd taken his qualifying offer qualifying offer that's right another two hundred thousand dollars right and there was and and so just all of these little things on the margins the challenges of like can you give this guy a player option because that lowers their that changes their salary figure and all those sorts of things are are very material challenges for this front office that were created by acquiring russell by sign trade and why i'm more persuaded by that side is unless russell you know he just continues progressing has a really good year fits into the beautiful game system whatever version of that curve is going to run this year the idea that he's this immense positive value asset to me is a little bit is a little bit strong because we both feel that he's been overrated that he's more of a counting stats guy than a possession by possession impact guy and when you look at the nets other guard options i think it's a pretty good reminder of the other guys that they have when they're healthy on the table with dinwiddie and karis lavert who just got extended and everything else and so yeah maybe there there are still teams that will like D'Angelo Russell and that are okay with him in this contract, but is anybody going to give them a significant return considering that they gave up two first-round picks and a bunch of flexibility to get him in the first place? Yeah, and 
So a lot of people would say, hey, you know what? Like, we just weren't going to win this year. Clay Thompson towards ACL, if he were healthy and we had those three, maybe we would approach things differently than doing it this way and getting hard capped and having no depth. Because let's be clear, I mean, like getting Russell this year, you did all this shit to give him a contract that we think is probably going to be bad. And he's also a bad fit with the players that they have. Uh, So there's that aspect. And then there's the aspect that they're just, they're not going to be able to be competitive this year with the hard cap. And they've got basically starting this season Steph Curry Russell Draymond Kevon Looney Willie Cauley-Stein and that's it those are their five NBA quality rotation players and three of them are big you know I mean Alec Burks hasn't played at an NBA quality level I mean they've got so many guys who are just completely flyers unestablished their starting three is either going to be Glenn Robinson the third or Alfonso McKinney so think so that's step one I mean you're you are punting on this year and then you know if you're going to try and make a trade well good luck with that you're out a couple of first round picks you're out a bunch of seconds now because of these other maneuvers and you're also hard cap so you have no flexibility and there's no salaries that are really tradable uh, on this team that you can aggregate together so they're pretty gonna be pretty stuck with this group this group you know even if clay comes back and it's like miraculously 100 percent, they're just not gonna have the depth to compete in the western conference then you consider okay well if they weren't hard cap yeah sure you know iguodala they might say hey you know clay's coming back this year he's not gonna be 100 percent. we hold on to iguodala this is gonna be the last year that he's any good uh so let's say you decide uh, and so it's fine to just punt this year it doesn't matter you still got Steph Curry and Draymond Green in their primes I mean it's not useless to get to be you know like a six or a five seed or something and think of the what they could have gotten for two first round picks although the second one is kind of funny money to some degree they have to finish in the top 10 best records in the league which I don't think they're going to for it to convey but then it becomes two seconds that's more they'll be out pretty much every second they possibly could be after that so what could you have gotten by moving Iguodala and a first and two seconds and then not having to give up all these other seconds as well to get off of guys uh i forgot that they had to actually move a second as well to get off of damian jones to get spellman in another money saving move they also then just dumped shaz napier and travion graham who are like good players that i think that would have been better than some of the guys they signed uh or that they could have moved i mean shaz napier is going to be the backup point guard of minnesota this year like at the minimum that's a good value contract that they just dumped and paid cash for no reason at all uh so all of these moves were oh wait a quick quick thing to mention also they burned all their cash in these moves too so they can't do what houston did last year which was if some of their signings don't work you pay the other team to take on that guy and you replace them for the minimum now it's a much more complicated thing yeah so you know could they have gotten enough guys on the wing that they could have been competitive this year been able to play draymond green at center which they just can't do now because three of their five viable rotation players at the start of the season are basically big uh you know could they have traded for jay crowder with memphis or or you know gotten just a couple of guys like that for the resources they sent out and yeah what they might tell you and and what people in the organization have told me is like look like we needed to reload at some point this was our only way to do that with russell and maybe he has value or or is just as a big salary or whatever but they gave up so much capital to get him i don't think he's that player i mean you know people are talking about oh well maybe he could eventually get traded to minnesota in a package for like with robert covington or 
or something. But they probably could have just traded for Covington or someone like that anyway with the resources they gave up to get Russell and not been hard capped and had a competitive team this year. And there's the, the chance that Russell could disappoint and could end up being negative value uh, very quickly uh, when he's a poor fit with this group. So uh, ultimately, I ended up with a D minus. I really hated the Russell thing. I mean, that's the biggest thing is just I don't think Russell is that good. And they paid a pretty price to pay him a pretty price. And yeah, I mean, this is a very risky move. Maybe there's some way in which it could turn out in which, you know, it'll all pay off for them and they can shoehorn away into be contenders for longer than they otherwise would have. But I think they are just punting on a year of Steph Curry and Draymond Green and then possibly two next year uh, as well if Russell sticks around or if he turns into a bad contract. Uh, And so that's... uh, I think this like pie in the sky, oh, we're going to somehow make D'Angelo Russell this signing is going to enable us to be competitive for another six or seven years. I just don't see it that that's going to happen. Oh, right. Jordan Poole is, is not any good. Yeah, that. so I I bounced around. I was considering something in your range. However, the Draymond Green extension, that pushed it up for me because I thought that was reasonable value. Locking him up without having to deal with unrestricted free agency, four years, $100 million basically. And that was the maximum allowable extension for him at this time because that solidifies everything and i mean unrestricted free agency with him would have been a real challenge had he made it there and been healthy because there are just so few players now what green's market would have been whether there were real contenders with money to spend would have been a challenge for green and i think that's part of why i i thought the extension was worthwhile for both sides but that is worth considering also you know getting clay back i think clay's gonna age well i think he'll be a good player obviously this is maybe not a full lost year but something pretty close to that I, i mean i don't give him a lot of credit for that because that was just always going to happen right yeah, right i give I, them, I, mean, I give them a little bit i mean just be, just because they did yeah. it and and the looney contract i think is totally reasonable we'll, we'll see what his role is this year and you know a, a reminder also that another important thing this came up uh, a little bit in our offseason grades or not our offseason grades our summer league stuff if they had just declined the option on damian jones then they would have had a little bit more flexibility to work with here and that's one of the reasons that's not in their offseason grades for this year but that's something worth noting about like why you think about these things because that that really does hurt and it limits their flexibility and so that that two million or whatever it ended up being was was a, a material factor when we're counting the like thousands of dollars at this point considering how close the warriors are to the hard cap yeah so all right uh, i'll i'll give him a d but uh begrudgingly so we're going to talk about the lakers and their addition of dwight howard in a little bit here and of course the athletic all over that story shams charania with the description of exactly what howard and the lakers uh, have discussed and what the deal is with him joining the team danny of course writes for the athletic as well and if you are a sports fan if you like this podcast you are really missing out without the athletic i could not do my job and not even close to it without my athletic subscription i've basically been a subscriber since the day that they launched danny was actually the first writer the athletic ever had its subscription but it is well well worth it no ads no pop-ups no autoplay videos if you have an ad blocker they don't have this thing where you're like oh you have to disable your ad blocker on this page no annoyance whatsoever and it's only $2.99 a month when you get a yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash capspace that's 
40% off. You get the yearly subscription, theathletic.com slash capspace. Easy to remember slash capspace. So we talk it all the time here on the program. If you're a subscriber, you have access to all national and local NBA coverage, stories, proprietary podcasts. Ethan Strauss's podcast is on there. And they actually just launched coverage of the Premier League too. I'm sure they're going to shake that market up just as much as they have here in the U.S. Once again, you are just not getting all the information you need without a subscription to The Athletic if you are a hardcore NBA fan and you listen to this show. Theathletic.com slash capspace is that URL. And don't forget the slash capspace to let them know that came from us. I'll let you go first here. Oh, actually, you went first last time. I'll go first this time. Well, uh, I can, I'll, I'll run through what the Rockets did. That'll be, that'll okay. be the way that we can divide labor here. Houston had a very stable offseason. I mean, the notable exception, they traded Chris Paul and I believe it's two future first and two swap rights. That's what I have in my notes for yeah. Russell Westbrook. That, you know, that's obviously a lot. Then they retained Daniel House. Well, here, Rivers, I, I, on, uh, on Westbrook, just to, so we get it right here, the swap OKC is going to receive the best of its Miami's and Houston's first round pick although Houston's is protected one through four those are the four slots that get boosted into the lottery and Houston is to receive the least favorable of those three and then in and that's in 21 correct yeah that's that's in 21 and then the 25 pick what are the details uh, on that one my recollection is that it was unlikely to convey it's like protected like 21 to 30 or something like that but we should probably actually confirm that instead of speculating it is actually only protected one to ten so OKC gets Houston's pick unless it is one of the one of the first ten, and they they could also so it's Houston's pick protected there or incidentally well, because well they don't get it they can they can swap they can swap it if, yeah it's a swap yeah, it's not I mean, a full I one. think uh, you know OKC is probably a pretty decent bet to be better than Houston at that point yeah well yeah, we'll see I mean the teams could look will look dramatically different by that point and then they got and then uh, Houston traded their 2024 first round pick top four protected and their 2026 first round pick top four protected as well those are the two firsts that are in the deal yeah and i think uh, okc did well to get those uh, further out uh and then uh, I, I interrupted you there but i wanted to get the details on those picks because those are all important uh, what else did they do so they retained daniel house austin rivers and gerald green they also then they added tyson chandler and then flyers on ben mclemore deontay davis and anthony bennett and they'll presumably have another couple there so th- there are going to be some echoes here of what i talked about with denver where if if you accept the framing of management and there are people always of course in twitter mentions and all that who do that then i think this offseason looks meaningfully better because russell westbrook ha- has both a higher ceiling and higher expected value than chris paul largely due to availability just because he plays a lot more minutes and there's intense value to that for the rockets but that accepts the framing that they're not going to be a luxury tax team and the rockets very they're going to be very good again i mean I, I i like the talent that they have james harden is still an mvp candidate of course and they could have been materially better if they'd used their mid-level exception, if they had been a little bit more aggressive. They could have created a human trade exception with Amon Shumpert. And maybe you're not going to do all of those things. You're not going to go 20, 25 million into the, into the tax. I'm not demanding that of any team, especially not a clear-cut title team. But these are the years to maximize, and they actively did not maximize. Yeah, they could have used even the full mid-level exception to just go into the tax a little bit, just like what you said with Denver, even triggering the hard cap, that that would have made it safe. They wouldn't have gotten more than $6 million in change over uh, if they had triggered that hard cap uh, with using uh, the full MLE. I mean, they did have to use part of either the MLE or the taxpayer MLE on Daniel House to bring him back because they did not have any kind of bird rights on him other than the 120%. And I thought that was a decent value deal, although it was troubling that going 
going up against the Warriors house uh, proved unplayable maybe he'll get better this year but they have a lot of similar players like Kevin Durant who just absolutely cooked him in that series uh so that's fine uh you know what I mean but you had again someone along the lines of a Damari Carroll or a Garrett Temple you know they could have offered a bigger role and as much or more money than those guys uh ended up getting they could have also maybe just used the BAE on house so that would have been two years instead of three uh they're still eight million dollars below the apron and, and the west is pretty wide open like they could have been maybe with a few more moves the favorite going into this year or they could have just used the full mini mid-level as well and so the problem is yeah they have continuity but the depth on this team like really sucks like they're almost as bad as the warriors at this point in time so they've got westbrook harden eric gordon pj tucker clint capella pretty darn good starting five there and then you've got austin rivers who you know he was good in the warriors series but he's kind of been in and out of uh, being a quality rotation player in his career that's really your sixth man house same thing you know not necessarily an established player he's your seventh man gerald green another year older you know useful in spot duty at times and then those are your eight guys who you can expect any kind of contribution from on an established level i mean they're the rest of this roster and you tell me and a lot of these are guys that they signed right now i mean they have a lot of minutes returning at the moment but you tell me where the quality rotation players are in ben mclemore anthony bennett isaiah hartenstein gary clark michael frazier chris clemens like they're just they don't have it uh in terms of depth and you know if there are injuries i mean, remember how poorly they started last year when they just weren't getting enough quality rotation contributions and you know daryl morey certainly deserves credit he put together a competitive team on the fly last year when some of these didn't work out but i mean they've got like seven or eight roster spots of guys that just you know maybe could possibly work out there's just but there's a lot of flotsam on this roster right now maybe these guys will work out but when you've got seven guys really who if you squint hard are playoff quality rotation players and you didn't use every financial resource available uh, that is a a big problem Uh, i think we're in agreement there so i significantly downgrade there if you're evaluating simply the westbrook trade and nothing else what would your grade for that be i think it's a slight negative for them because while I'm a bigger believer in Chris Paul than Damian or anybody. His health is is a real concern, but they gave up a lot. I mean, those two lightly protected first round picks are significant. They're also far, further out in the future, which is in some ways beneficial for Houston because they can make other moves. But those are going to be real impediments and are going to be more significant values for the Thunder than if they had been more immediate and the swaps you know, we'll, we'll see. Those those might not be as, as nearly as valuable because if Oklahoma City is worse than Houston, which is a distinct possibility, then it'll go the other way. We'll have to see when we get there. I don't think this is going to be a Brooklyn situation or anything like that, but I do think yeah. that Houston gave up some significant value there, which, you know, I, I, I think that will be, you know, kind of like a di- it'll be a different problem for a different day, but these are exactly the type of moves that you and I, and hopefully it is you and I in like three, four years are talking about. Oh man, remember, remember when Houston gave up all that stuff and Russell Westbrook you know he helped he helped he was better than Chris Paul but they didn't win a championship they didn't you know maybe they made a couple Western Conference finals or something like that and now look at all this look at all this that they had the minefield that they have to deal with now that I I could see that I can see that coming in the future and while Westbrook is better than Paul and is a better and 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 he also the other big concern is it's a much better I don't know there well no that's exactly what I was getting is it's a better regular season thing but when the rubber meets the road in the playoffs I would rather 
if if they're both healthy, I would rather have Chris Paul playing next to James Harden yeah. because this of year, the specific weaknesses. Yes, yeah, after that year. we'll see. And I mean, those guys both have just an amazing amount of money moving forward. But again, if if that is even a question, and you give up two first round picks and pick swaps, that's a lot. Like, it, it, and and Houston, uh, this also like it. They maybe they would have aged out of being you know with Chris Paul and everything else being a real serious contender and all that kind of stuff. But if you're not really one to begin with, especially if you're not willing to spend the money to get that depth that would have really helped, then I don't know. It's, it seems like a weird thing to sacrifice if you're not going to go all the way, if you're not going to go all in. Yeah. And I mean, they did go all in maybe in terms of draft picks. And I speculated that maybe Daryl Morey uh, doesn't think he's going to be working for Tillman Fertitta when those draft picks uh, come due. I probably would be uh, trying to get out of there once James Harden's prime is over. He just turned 30 a couple of days ago. And so I think in terms of I don't know that they help their championship odds for this year. Paul, I think, is a better fit. We talked about the fit issues with Westbrook. But Paul also might just not be there at the end, whereas Westbrook's was more likely to do that, despite some of the injury issues that he's had as well. You know, th- those are probably shouldn't be totally swept under the rug, even though he kind of seems indestructible when he's out there. And then probably the couple years after that, I think Westbrook, you know, compared to Paul, you know, Paul had three years left. So Westbrook is going to be younger than Paul. Paul's probably going to get to the point where, you know, he's he's going to struggle to be like a quality playoff starter. Then maybe you help your championship odds a little bit in those years. Although again, Harden may be starting to fall off by that point. And then of course you have that fifth year of Westbrook. Now, one way this has been framed is, well, think of what it would have crossed to just get off of Chris Paul by trading him into cap space and compare that to what they had to give up in this deal. Now they did have to take on another year of Westbrook. I kind of thought of Westbrook and Paul as relatively, similarly toxic assets um, that Westbrook will provide more value on the front end but also more downside on the back end and he's tougher to fit around than Paul you know certainly there are the personality issues with Paul but you know Westbrook uh, will see how he fits in from a personality standpoint here so I kind of saw them as relatively neutral maybe Westbrook's a little bit less negative value but to do that and then have to throw in all these picks as well I I thought wasn't great so I ended up giving them a D I'm not going to tell you that this Westbrook thing isn't going to work out we haven't seen him in a spread pick and roll system with the amount of shooting that they're going to put around him Mike D'Antoni maximizing him maybe he can give more defensive effort with a, less of a load doing some more switching where his kind of spacing out mentally won't be as much of a problem uh so I'm not going to tell you that this that move is not going to work I think if I it's, I view it as a slight negative uh but again you know it, it could end up being great like they could win the championship this year it's, it's quite possible uh but then when you throw so I you know, I'd be a you know that's a C minus trade to me when you throw in the long term implications and then to throw in just you know the lack of depth the lack of spending you know that's how you get down to the D in my opinion. I gave them the same D grade and something I want to mention this didn't really affect my grade I just found it interesting remember that Nene opted out of significant guaranteed money and has not signed anywhere yeah who the fuck is the backup setter on this team Tyson, Tyson Chandler Chandler and Hartenstein I mean Tyson Chandler is like 37 years old and also like I mean you, you talked about how this team has all these roster spots that are largely like kind of unused or not not providing present value it's not like those are players with just dramatic long-term upsides and they just like they're her 
bird or their raw. Like in those sorts of circumstances, sure, you know, you can you can afford like Denver is a great example of that they were a deep team last year, so they were able to have Michael Porter Jr. and Jared Vanderbilt basically having lost seasons. And that's fine. You can have a couple of roster spots, but as a title contender who does that, well then you I think they need to to trim the fat a little bit there and then use the other spots, especially because Houston has playing time to offer. They're a competitive team. So that's another kind of it's not a huge tactical mistake, but it's another one that is that is notable. Man, these are this is just a reminder how crazy this offseason was. The Clippers, another and then we got the Lakers coming up after that. I mean, these are just so much to get into here. They signed Kawhi Leonard into cap space and this is one where you in theory would give them more credit for getting him to come because they had to move their team around to convince him to show up they also got paul george they also added mo harkless uh, via trade they retained pat beverly on you know the point guard market really blew up he was three years 40 million avicha zubach he's back in the fold as well uh, as a restricted free agent three years 21 million that seemed uh, maybe a little rich for him but they used his low cap hold uh jamichael green getting him back at the room exception with a player option for next year that was outstanding value and rodney magruder three years 15 million third year non-guaranteed magruder of course also was a restricted free agent they're able to utilize his low cap hold as well but man man did they have to give up a lot to get paul george and thereby cause Kawhi Leonard to sign with them I ended up giving them a B does that seem too low to you given that they are in many places considered the championship favorite although I'm not sure I agree with that yes <laughs> I mean so yeah they, they gave up a ton for Paul George it is also the, so five first round picks one of which is lottery protected one they got from Miami in 2023 and two pick swaps deep in the future 23 and 25 for Paul George also worth noting that Kawhi Leonard signed a two plus one rather than a three plus one for some logistical reasons that aren't that it wasn't super surprising to me that that happened and yeah, so also get rem- the 10 plus year max yes yeah, so you get the 10 plus year max theory. also they traded phillies 2020 first to get the number 27 pick which they used on cabangele who i broadly like though i still need to see a lot more i don't even know if he's going to play this year they also drafted terrence mann but first of all one of the one of those picks that they got that they sent what they acquired in an absolute heist which was the moharkless trade sure. where they basically picked up a good player on a positive contract and a first round pick for their trouble to facilitate from the heat and then use that pick in the Paul George trade. But also an important reason why I gave them a high rate, I actually gave them a straight A. Even though I had these misgivings, this was one that I would often give an A minus to, but but this is why I didn't. The Clippers had a lot of players on value contracts. You can think about Lou Williams here, Montrez Harrell. They had the cap hold for Patrick Beverly. So they did have to sacrifice some things, some very important things to make this team possible. However, not only did they keep enough depth to actually make this a championship competitive team this year, which I think is exceedingly important. You got Kawhi Leonard, you got Paul George, you, you maximize that window as best you can. But also they maintained the ability to use their 2020 first round pick. They could. They also have all this positive value salary filler. So they're not locked in now. This is not one of those teams like the one we're going to talk about next, where this is pretty much the way things are and they can't really do a whole lot to change things from here. The Clippers, if this doesn't work, there are a lot of different different paths that they can go down trading Harrell is one that I would probably support based on the structure of this I think a defensive center is their most prominent need right now but they're deep they're really good and they were able to kind of use those 
resources, losing Shea, losing those first round picks, trading Gallo, who I think would have would have helped, but obviously there was no way to keep him on this team. All those things would have been good, but the, they were necessary to the extent that the team that they created isn't sacrificed in this isn't sacrificing in the same way that some great teams do. The reason I gave it a, a B, uh, there's a couple here, and a lot of this even just gets into existential questions of what the point of even having a sports franchise is. I think for Steve Ballmer, it's getting a championship and I appreciate that. That's generally my philosophy as well. I believe that the most likely outcome of these moves is that they will be championship contenders the next two years. Then Paul George and Kawhi Leonard could both opt out. And you probably want them opting out because if not, it means they aren't good or they got hurt or something. And let's say that they are able to retain PG and Kawhi. I'm not sure if those guys into their early 30s together keeps you in championship contention. Both those guys have some health concerns as well. So if I had to guess what ends up happening with this group, this Leonard and George Kawhi, say they're going to have two years where they're serious championship contenders, you know, getting into the West Finals or better, you know, having or having a, a real good regular season, whatever you're, but, you know, not necessarily a clear championship favorite any, any particular year. So, and maybe that's two out of the next three years if they say, you know, one year they get an injury. So if that is your outcome, and, you know, it could last longer than that, they could help these guys stay good for long the health issues might abate whatever it is is that worth giving up all of this including Shea Gilgis Alexander who I don't like as much as a lot of people do but you know some think it was going to be a future star and and Gallo who was you know playing at a sub all-star level last year and all of these picks totally unprotected pick swaps many of those picks going beyond the time horizon even if they retain them that Leonard and George are going to be good superstar level that's not a no-brainer move to me I I'm not saying I wouldn't do it by any means, but with what they ended up with, you know, I think it's it's a B. They're, they certainly are much better off than before, but there is, I mean, there's absolutely a way that we could look at this move five years from now and say that this is a complete disaster for the Clippers. This is not a no-brainer at all to me. And then you also throw in the idea that they gave up more for one player. Yes, technically, you know, technically for one player, yes, you could say, well, Kawhi wasn't going to come there. And then they also had to keep Kawhi away from the Lakers but there is a feeling here that now would I if I really was told by Kawhi all right I'm not coming unless you get Paul George and I was told by Sam Presti well hey Kawhi's got to decide by July 6th and you're gonna have to put in Shea and you're gonna have to put in every single one of these picks and pick swaps and it all has to be unprotected and you got to go to Gallo too and that's the only way I'm doing it and you really believe that yeah I would have bitten the bullet and done that but I still feel like they got outmaneuvered a little bit by Kawhi to get exactly who he wanted and a little bit by Sam Presti. And Presti had the advantage because there was a time crunch, right? If the Clippers, if, if it were a different situation and Paul George had said, hey, I want, I want out and I want to go to the Clippers and then he were you had enough time to wait it out and Sam Presti would try to get some other teams involved and he couldn't and the Clippers had the best offer and then you know they probably wouldn't have gotten as much if there wasn't just this time crunch where Sam Presti says no this is what it's going to take and you have to decide that night but there is the counterfactual that they could have either tried to get Kawhi to come without George and think of think of maybe what they could have done with all those resources instead of getting Paul George right now right what if they just saved up all those resources and tried to make a trade later 
later on, or they, you know, they tried to get someone like Bradley Beal if he later became available, if there were more patients. There are some counterfactuals here. They had the two birds in the hand. They decided to do that. I understand why they did. I think it was a positive move, but there are a lot of downsides here. I can't just jump straight on the A bandwagon. I, I'm moving down to an A minus. There is a, a bigger sacrifice, and especially as somebody who doesn't give A pluses, I, th- there is a little <laughs> bit of a higher standard there. I'm moving down a little bit, teensy bit. That, I mean, that it's really just absolutely fascinating, right? And, you know, this is one where, hey, if Kawhi Leonard gets injured this year and doesn't finish the season and you don't know if he's going to come back at the same level, you're like, oh, fuck. Or they could win the championship this year and it's all worth it no matter what happens for the next 10 years. The Lakers, you know, uh, let me ask you this. What is more defensible, the Clippers making the move for Paul George and Kawhi or the Lakers making the move that they did for AD? And I shouldn't say defensible. That implies that they're bad moves. That they need to be. Yeah. Yeah, and I should I should say the just the Clippers trading for Paul George because that's, that's okay. the trade. Yeah, because then it, it ties in. Yeah, because yeah, the Lakers, AD is a better player than George. He's younger. Um, it, but he's not under contract for as long. Okay, yeah, but but he's you know but, he really, really uh, to go there. I mean, yeah. and, and where else is he going to go in the summer of twenty twenty? I mean, I agree. There's some risk there. We said the same thing about Dwight Howard, who now is back with this team, by the way, hilariously. <laughs> yeah, I need um, to incorporate him yeah. in the grade. But I think they probably gave up a package that was not as significant to get AD as what the Clippers gave up to get George. Yeah, it depends on how you value the the existing player assets. The the component there that's important is that Ingram in particular is so close to getting properly paid. So it's not like you're acquiring the second round pick in the most yeah. recent draft you're a second number two pick you're acquiring the number two pick a few drafts ago well, same, uh, same and also w- they just couldn't possibly have matched salaries without all of the guys being right. in the trade that they were it really comes down to the draft pick compensation well, that here, was given here, up as the variable here's an interesting question with that because i mean the the lakers gave up number four in this draft which i think is kind of partially because new orleans didn't make that pick they traded it that yeah, that's a real that. that's a really good asset you know like shay while he had a very good season there's a distinct chance that shay gilgis alexander is not as productive as what you could theoretically get for the four pick i mean that's not a, an outlandish thing to say that the, i think the 12th pick in one year might be worse than the fourth pick in the next year yeah i mean we all, we focus on oh man the pick swaps and all these things are out in the future you forget yeah number four pick is, is pretty big for for this year yeah a, so, and the fact that it might have got wasted on uh deandre hunter is uh no, you know, they didn't have to draft DeAndre Hunter. Well, and think about what think about what New Orleans got for that pick. We'll talk about them in a couple of teams, but they got an absolute haul for that number as as for that number four pick, which theoretically, you know, another team could have gone like that's that's another a big asset as part of this Lonzo Ingram part, and then was also their 2021 first, 2024 first, and then that swap in 2023, all for Anthony Davis. So to answer your original question, I think I think in the absence of the further context, I would say that the AD trade is a stronger argument because especially the immediacy of LeBron's prime, you know, like the LeBron is turning 35 this year and Davis should be a wonderful fit for him offensively, defensively, we're going to have to see. And they couldn't wait another year to sign Davis in free agency because then LeBron's going to be turning 36. And there was no guarantee necessarily that Davis was going to be there. Maybe somebody trades for him and he doesn't do what Kawhi Leonard did. So I, I, I think that the Davis trade is more, it's more fitting in that sense. However, if Kawhi made that specific demand, or maybe he made a, we need a star, I don't necessarily care who it is of this group. And then Washington stupidly said, we're not trading Bradley Beal. And whoever other team said, we're not trading our guys, or they asked for even more. Then in that case, it might tilt the other way. But absent, but in the more general context, I'll go with the AD trade. 
Yeah, and I do think with some of the other trades that were made here that, you know, because our reaction when this first happened was like, man, did they give up a lot? This is like the most anyone has, has ever given up. And, and the difference to me between this and the George trade is the Clippers really were under the gun in terms of timing to get Kawhi to commit right now. You know, it's, this is July 5th and he's going to decide on July 6th and we got to keep him out of the hands of our biggest rivals. Who knows whether Kawhi would actually have gone there or not. But it does seem like this is one where the Lakers could have actually dragged things out a little bit more and you know who was going to give up anywhere close to this package especially with AD only wanting to go to the Lakers and I mean Lonzo Ingram Hart at number four you know you would hope that that could have been close to getting it done I mean number four is a, is a good pick now there was still the maybe the urgency of like we have to make the selection at number four you know the Pels are going to want to be able to do that or move the pick on so that was a, a little bit of a deadline but same thing I mean for the Pels they had some urgency as well because that package was the best one if they waited longer that package wasn't going to be available either so they kind of both had some urgency there I still think they could have done a little bit better job of negotiating especially when you consider that LeBron James is older right this is not two 28 year old guys in George and Leonard joining up this is probably a two-year window with LeBron and AD realistically you know even as as well as LeBron has preserved himself I mean to get to 37 as a perimeter player he's just he's not gonna be a top 10 player anymore there's just even I feel comfortable saying that two years from now we will not think of him as a top 10 player in the NBA uh he could prove me wrong but I I doubt it so they kind of got a two-year window now AD you know can be the face of the franchise going forward but how do you build around him is he gonna be happy just being in LA and basically being in the exact same situation he was with the Pels but he's in LA now once uh LeBron declines I mean maybe he would be um but maybe he would end up wanting out as well but I really don't see what they ultimately could have done differently this is the year you have to win with lebron flags fly forever it is the lakers and you're like oh they should be building dynasties but uh i think the last seven or eight years has proved that you know if they can actually get back to being in contention for a couple of years that that's probably good enough and you know who knows what ingram and ball and number four pick would have been they have not had the best ability developing guys or building around guys and winning on the margin so it's kind of easier to just get a superstar and and just go to the a tried and true playbook that it's uh, not as difficult to build the team as opposed to just like winning every small transaction and trying to build up that way. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. And, and when you consider what they did with the remaining roster moves, you can see some of that merit. I mean, the weirdest thing for me about the Lakers at this point is I still don't know what their best five-man lineup is. And yeah, it's true. The Lakers in particular could be a buyout destination for any number of players who could hit the market. Iguodala is the most obvious, but there could be others who who could do it, who can, who can fill that spot. It's probably going to be the three that's the way that I see it but they could use another ball hand or they could go in a couple directions like presumably to me Green and obviously LeBron and, and AD are in that and then the, there are even arguments about who the fourth of their f- best five is and that's a little bit of a challenge so you have that that's one big concern another one for me is well, that well, they, should, should we do you, should we just go through the yeah let's go yeah okay well let's let's do it like rapid fire here of like you know kind of good or bad move for each of these okay uh let's uh, let's start at the very beginning which probably no one even remembers anymore magic johnson resigned and they made no move to bring in any other gm and just went with rob lincoln oh thank you for reminding me about that i'm downgrading i'm downgrading them (laughs) 
I forgot about that. They basically retained Palenka. That's that's important too. Yeah, and uh, I mean, hey, they could have tried to get David Griffin, and then maybe they would have been uh, wouldn't have been outmaneuvered as badly in the uh, in the AD trade. Um, you know, and it's still. I mean, anytime someone has to trade a superstar, you're in a powerful position if the guy wants to go there. So that's kind of the default. And then you say, what's the price going to be? You know, you can still say that the Lakers won the trade in terms, but downgrade them at the same time because the resource is that they have all these assets and the guy wants to go there that's kind of, that's the default that you're starting from they so um in any event yeah so not doing any kind of a gm search uh was not too amazing uh then the coaching also seemed to be botched luke walton was fired you know lebron didn't like him they didn't have much of a relationship i thought luke did uh okay and then the it seemed fait accompli it was going to be Ty Lue. they didn't offer him enough money they were worried it was going to get lebron too much power or whatever and then they ended up with frank vogel uh after also losing out on monty williams as well i do think i probably if i had to pick between vogel and williams i'd probably go with vogel uh just because i'm not sure what other than you know bring stability and, and being a good man in terms of actual coaching ability it, williams has, has shown so i mean i guess maybe you could argue vogel was the best experienced coach well, on the market but then the other coaching decision they made is important too where they undercut yeah. frank vogel by bringing in jason kidd and so now it's sort of similar to the david blatt tyloo situation a few years ago in cleveland jason kidd obviously has a potent connection with with lebron and i mean he has he's respected by a lot of the players in the league because he's a hall of fame player in his own right so that could end up fomenting a mutiny in the near or the long term i would think more in the near term we'll see and so there's a there's a downside yeah. risk there too and, and jason kidd say- jason kidd oh oh yeah oh you know maybe we're not we're not huge supporters of frank vogel it's worth remembering that the last time jason kidd was a head coach we were recording a podcast on the best and worst <laughs> coaches in the nba we're talking about him as the single worst coach in the nba at the exact moment that he was fired so if he does get the mutiny and does get the job congratulations you just hired the player the coach who was most recently the worst coach in the league yeah and now certainly there's this idea of like well you know lebron could never like someone has to have had some type of presence or success or whatever uh or lebron is just gonna run over the guy and so you know i think you could have found a better coaching candidate who had never been a head coach before than frank vogel but maybe they felt that just wasn't realistic with lebron that you need someone's stature perhaps though if you had the organizational strength that say the heat did that you could support a young head coach the way they did with eric spolstro though it's certainly a, a different lebron now than it was then uh danny green he signed for two years 30 million like that move pretty well i think he, he fits in perfectly with what they needed you know, a bit of an age risk at 32 but shoots the ball well defends his skill set should age reasonably well he might be a little bit overmatched as your dead bang primary wing defender in the playoffs but certainly there was no one I mean, he was the best three and d guy probably on the market and, and they got him for a pretty good price i, I would say that was a, a positive move i thought demarcus was a positive move although obviously now that he's torn his acl there was a health risk but for 3.5 million can't complain there uh quinn cook jared dudley troy daniels all pretty solid end of the rotation guys for me daniels uh, you know is kind of more of a break glass in case of emergency guy but at least he can go out there and shoot next to lebron dwight howard eh, you know i mean they uh, was kind of desperate there uh you know, and if, if you feel differently about any of these feel free to chime in anytime well, um, well one thing i want to get yeah. into now kind of paralleling that is the the player option barrage that they did so kcp yeah. avery bradley javel mcgee and rajon rondo all have player options for 2021 and some of those could look pretty bad and yeah it's true that the lakers weren't going to have a lot of spending power assuming anthony davis stays it's not like they were gonna you know that's gonna push them oh no it pushes them into tax 
Genie Bus has the money. If if they're willing to spend it, they're willing to spend it. But that makes it harder to move. It makes it harder to pivot. And a lot of those guys, like Bradley and Rondo in particular, it's not like they got them on steals of contracts, and so you had to give them the player option in order for them to do it. This isn't Wes Matthews or well, a situation. Well, McGee even more so. That one is like he, he was. He, where was he getting above the minimum somewhere else for one year? Right. That's a, that's another. Yeah. So he he's there too. I mean, I, for me, it was more just how washed Bradley looked when yeah. he was a Clipper last year. He was he was better in Memphis to his credit but he got paid he got paid like the first three quarters of his year never happened kcps is fine i I don't have as much much of an issue there and your other problem too is let's say they want to make a kuzma trade this year javel kcp and rondo all have implicit no trades i'd forgotten about this when we talked about this uh, on a previous episode so they would have all have to approve these trades why would they do that so you're really other than danny green you really just don't have enough salary fodder to bring in another high salary player if you wanted to move Kuzma to get someone more established who is a better fit. Well, and that gets into another question, which is, could they have restructured the New Orleans trade? Basically, did they overvalue Kuzma as an asset to give up and force themselves to give up these extra first-round picks when maybe somebody, I'm not saying Josh Hart is better than Kyle Kuzma or anything like that, but maybe the overall price would have been lower for the Lakers had they structured differently. And Kuzma is not such an amazing fit with LeBron and AD where he should be a priority for the organization. Now, if you can keep him, by all means, Kuzma is a talented player. I've, his offensive skill set consistently surprises me. But if they really sacrifice to keep him, considering his weird fit, that could end up being bad too. Yeah, although I think from a salary matching standpoint, it, it basically would come down to either Kuzma or some of the draft pick compensation. Yeah, I think that all of the like Ball, Ingram, like those guys all had to be in the deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think, and then just having nobody on this team really that you want running a pick and roll outside of LeBron, I think Rondo actively takes stuff off the table. I'd rather he just not be on the team and they didn't replace him at all uh, because he's just so bad defensively. They feel like he has to play. Uh, he takes the ball out of the hands of, of better players uh you know i mean especially on defense he's just so bad uh and you know to sign on for basically what's going to be two more years of him is not amazing uh so i thought kcp was fine alex caruso i think it has some potential as a defensive point guard but you know the lack of shooting isn't amazing so i think you know javel rondo and and you know bradley in theory is an okay fit we'll see i think he's an okay flyer i like you i'd prefer we were for one year but uh at the late hour that they had to sign these guys there weren't many options remaining they sacrificed some to uh, try to stay in the Kawhi sweepstakes and that probably hurt them a little bit so I finally finished up with a, a B minus for them you know they did get AD I think some were skeptical that that would ever happen they did make it happen you know I think they given who was available they did okay once they finally were able to sign some of their guys you know some of those minimum guys like Dudley that's pretty good the player options are not good uh but I mean they did get AD they did get into you know in theory being a championship contender we'll see the production systems are not that high on them and you know if they traded all this stuff away and they win 51 games this year and lose in the second round and do that again next year and then lebron kind of declines and you just you know you never get to a conference finals and you gave up all this stuff then you have to say it probably wasn't worth it but you know he's a superstar player and you do what you can to get him on your team i was in the c plus b minus range just on the personnel perspective however my final grade is a d plus because of everything else palenka 
is a is a huge negative for me. I've never thought of him as particularly good at his job. And the Lakers have the financial capacity and the incentive to actually get a good GM. This is one of the could theoretically be one of the best jobs in the entire league. They could have gotten. I mean, they could have at least gotten a conversation with a lot of interesting people who would have had more upside. It's not like Polinka did anything to justify that sort of faith. Then the coaching situation. Vogel himself not a huge huge problem there. Though I think Luke Walton is better. But having Kittlefinger there is a just a it's just a, like a an elephant in the room that could end up being even more ominous than that with time. So yeah, so that pushed it down from the kind of the C plus B minus range where you were down to a D plus for me because you have all these other working things and because having Polinka still there making all these decisions on the margins that makes me less confident that they can maximize the next two three years around LeBron because you're going to have to hit on some of these minimum contracts you know more of the Jared Dudleys than the Rondos and that's hard to do when you don't have a great front office yeah I agree with you and you know I certainly if anything I would have been lower rather than higher uh, from my B minus all right well this has been a ton of fun we're already more than an hour into this and we've done what like six teams or something like that but these are some of just massive teams we have a bunch of massive teams to go here so we're gonna make this in a part two over the weekend and we will talk to y'all then thanks again for listening a reminder that we're sponsored today by the athletic which gives a full suite of local and national nba coverage we couldn't do our jobs without the athletic if you are really into the nba you are frankly just straight up missing out especially because they have local coverage of every team so if there's some big trade or something that happens you can pop in and get the local writers take on that in a way that is just missing from other national coverage you can get 40 percent off a yearly subscription 2.99 per month with that yearly subscription at theathletic.com slash cap space theathletic.com slash cap space don't forget that slash cap space url to let them know that you came from us at bet365 we don't do ordinary we believe that every sport should be epic every goal every game every point every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period whatever the sport whatever the moment it's never ordinary at bet365 21 plus only must be present in virginia if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help call 1-800-GAMBLER terms and conditions apply